Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Sir, they're taking out our turbo lasers. So our 20 picks up in the middle of Poe and Finn's breakaway from First Order captivity. They've stolen a TIE fighter, and uh, they've just kind of initiated their friendship. Uh, Poe has given Finn his name. And, uh, of course, it's not a really clean break. It's quite clumsy. Ultimately, they uh, lose. They get they get shot down, uh, and they crash land on Jakku. Uh, and the TIE fighter, buried half in the sand, is kind of enveloped by sand and then explodes. Finn is forced to realize that he's probably alone in the desert because it would appear Poe is dead. He takes his jacket and walks to the nearest civilization, which happens to be uh, Nima Outpost. Yes, as they're trying to shoot down Finn and Poe, Kylo is questioning the quality of Hux's training and his troopers, uh, and then demands that the droid be captured. Um, when he, Hux sends his men to Jakku, uh, the bounty hunters go after Rey and BB-8, and then the First Order goes after Finn, and Finn runs into Rey in that process when BB-8 notices Poe's jacket on Finn, they have a little bit of a riff because BB-8 tells Ray he must have stolen it. And then they realize all three of us are being hunted down. Let's run in this direction to get away from the First Order. Uh, they bring in some starfighters, to some TIE fighters to start bombing the place. Uh, and then as they're running away, they notice a quad jumper that they decide they want to take. Uh, it gets blown up and then they take our good old Millennium Falcon and begin there. Uh, enticing getaway. That's right. They have to settle for the garbage ship, which is, of course, the most famous spaceship in the history of all time. Uh, they take off. They don't really have a whole lot of time to fixate on whether or not they can be friends or enemies. They can just see that they have the common cause of trying to escape this captivity. So uh, Ray, pilot as she claims to be, perhaps a little bit arrogantly, uh, flies the thing while Finn, uh, great shot within the resistance, no, within the first order, uh, mans the guns. They do manage a breakaway. Uh, they've got a little bit of maintenance to do aboard the Millennium Falcon. Uh, amidst that, they're taken captive by a larger freighter. They're sucked into this big tractor beam, which they think is the First Order. In fact, it's Han Solo himself. Yes, so Han and Chewie meet up with our new generation of rebels, and they essentially kind of just share a little bit of information, confirming this is in fact the famous Han Solo, and that because you knew Luke Skywalker, you got to join our mission because it's a mission to deliver the map to Luke Skywalker. All the while, Kylo gets word that the droid escaped uh, with the help of FN-2187, who is a traitor and is really pissing Kylo off. And when he hears that a girl also joined them, that really, really scares or entices him. I think what girl remains the most compelling unanswered question in all of Star Wars. Yes, it's also backed up further by a line that's in the book okay. and was cut from the film, and that is as soon as the uh, saber goes to Ray's hand, Kylo says under his breath, it is you. It is you. And So it's, those two are so intrinsically connected that you don't are. need both because the what girl almost goes it, away from that and Kylo's expression at the end of the movie as well. Well, and it is implied that Rey is significant. She's, yes, and also she believes, she said, she was shocked. Daisy Ridley was shocked that people did not understand her origin. Okay. That is, Daisy Ridley thought it was obvious. Well, thought what origin was obvious because what we've been fed through The Last Jedi might not be entirely no, no, the no. whole story. This was prior to The Last Jedi. After The Force Awakens, she was surprised about all the Rey stuff. She, she, everybody got, got the Snoke thing, the confusion there. Yeah. She thought it was obvious. 
But what are you her, talking about? Her, but her parentage, her background, where she comes from. Which we still don't know. Which we still don't know, but it leads further belief into the fact that she's the Skywalker rising, in my opinion. Yes, because what that implies is that we have all the information we need. We just need to put it in place. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, there's only a few different options if that's the circumstance. That can't be right. There has to be some kind of unanswered question. Well, that's the thing. There always is going to be an unanswered question. However, you have to kind of look at the key things. Like, that's supposed to be a big reveal moment. But that's the Graflex going right into her hands. Yeah. I do, and that is, I do believe a moment, I mean, not in this 20, but one that is maybe undersold a little bit as being maybe more revealing than, it, like, if being more revealing than maybe we gave it credit for. Okay. Because that really shows, like, the only person, like, that saber belongs to me. No, it doesn't. Right. That saber belongs to Anakin and then Luke. Okay, the but- The only people who would have credit to it over Kylo would be Anakin or Luke. Yes, but if not for his influence by the dark side, Kylo is a direct heir to that lineage. But that's the point, though. The only person who could be more worthy of that saber is also a direct heir of that lineage, which means it needs to be related to Anakin in some form of cloning, force manipulation of midichlorians, Luke's hand cloning, something along those lines. And really, it only makes sense for it to be Luke or Anakin because they're the only ones who have a higher precedent for that saber than Leia's son would be. Or let's look at this in a bigger, more symbolic lens. Yeah. And and kind of reference, like, say, the sword of Godric Gryffindor, which doesn't necessarily go to he who is in line by blood to be entitled to this weapon, but he who needs it most and is of the purest heart. So yeah, but this is the Graflex lightsaber that represents the hero of the galaxy, and it will be used by the hero who saves us all. That is, it is Ray over Ren. Uh, but I hate that. Yeah. Because it is not the saber. It is the saber that didn't fall in the lava. Okay. It was used. Maybe. It was used to slaughter younglings. It is not oh, your Godric true. Gryffindor sword. That's a good. This point. is the Skywalker blade. Yeah, and that's the big thing. For, and like, it's the Skywalker saga. And the movie was supposed to have more lore and mystery around the saber itself. Right. There was several different versions of how the saber was going to come in play. Leia was supposed to have it. Maz was supposed to have it, and it was supposed to follow to this guy, Teray. So uh, one of those three things, were they were all in the script at some point. Yeah. And with that much kind of moving around, it sh- clearly shows the Graflex has a huge level of importance. And ultimately, the inspirations that a lot of people see potentially drawn from, um, uh, what's it called? What's the movie? Like like King Arthur? It's not King Arthur, but it's something very, very similar. Um, it's. Do you want to ask Alexa? Uh, oh, did you hook up Alexa? Yeah, something? I do have Alexa in here now. Oh, that's really cool. Go ahead. Uh, hey, Alexa, what are John Malkovich's most famous movies? The most famous John Malkovich movie by IMDb votes is Juno at 468,554. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. I don't know what any of that means either. <laughs> um, that really just served to show you that we have Alexa in the studio now. And if ever you have a question you want to ask just to, to, to clear the air, you can do that right into the direct line. Which is awesome. That yeah. is very cool. <laughs> um, so it's The Messenger, which is an adaptation of the story of Joan of Arc. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there are a lot of similarities you can link to especially some of the original Force Awakens scripts. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's it has very Sword in the Stone-esque vibes to it, but doesn't follow your plot. It's medieval classic literature. It. Is is this to imply that, in fact, the lightsaber itself has a mind of its own, that it has a spirit within it? No, I believe that this is the reason as to why a lot of the context has been done around kyber crystals. Okay. So I believe J.J. Abrams set a precedent that 
we haven't really chatted about or spoken about in the sense of directly linking it to the Graflex. Right. So Kyber Crystals have changed immensely from what they were in Legends. Kyber Crystal is something that sings and it calls to the users. Uh, that was something that was established in the Clone Wars, but it's it something... It almost has a plant life. Yes, but it's also something that you're not going to be able to find. Like, Kyber Crystals aren't easy to find. Okay. They're not easy to mine. Uh, so it's impressive that the Empire does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the kind of thing where they call to Jedi, and it's a very bonded relationship. Um, used to believe that, like, uh, in old legends, uh, red lightsabers were synthetic crystals. They made them themselves. That's not the case. It's bleeding now. And so a lightsaber crystal uh, that is corrupted by its force user oh, awesome. bleeds. And so Kylo's, which is great, and the one that people have made a lot of speculation over, is that Kylo tried to bleed his lightsaber crystal, but it's so clearly in like the same lightsaber that he had as a Jedi, the, the resulting factor was because he's not dark enough, he tried to bleed it and fucked up, and then the lightsaber exploded. That's and, why it's so spazzy. And that's why he needed to create the flanges to emit the extra light because his lightsaber, the one that you see in like three seconds in The Last Jedi, is the exact same lightsaber he has. It's just... I mean, there's a zero percent chance it's not the exact same lightsaber, yeah. and so it's it's a it's a beautiful metaphor. His lightsaber is a metaphor yes. for him trying to force his being more evil than he probably is within it's his heart. It's divided, even. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different things. His lightsaber is a huge metaphor for him. And we talked last week about how how Kylo in the first twenty of this movie is just ferocious, and in this twenty he starts to exhibit some more childish emotion. Oh, yeah. He does, but he's still very evil. Like I love that scene where the generic first order paper pusher has to deliver bad news to him Mm -hmm. and he's so he's just like trembling to have to be the one to give this news because he knows in vader fashion his windpipe might get crushed just in this conversation it doesn't although he does get slapped around a little bit yeah he does get force pulled and grabbed by the neck right uh but this is post uh you know, temper tantrum from Kylo, swinging his lightsaber and just destroying a control panel. There's also a really interesting scene with General Hux. And I think it's very easy for us to write off Hux as this like wimpy guy who has no control and he's not a wimp in this movie. He's not a wimp in this movie. He's he's really incredibly evil and kind of scary at times in this movie. Oh, absolutely. He gets very Nazi-esque later in this movie. And also, the movie. this movie does a really good job of him being the forgotten son almost. Like, he, him being the... Kylo's the favored son of Snoke. Yep. But Hux is the one who actually does what Snoke wants. Supreme Leader Snoke was explicit. Capture the droid if we can, but destroy it if we must. How capable are your soldiers, General? I won't have you question my methods. They're obviously skilled at committing high treason. Perhaps Leader Snoke should consider using a clone army. My men are exceptionally trained, programmed from birth. Then they should have no problem retrieving the droid, unharmed. Careful, Ren, that your personal interests not interfere with orders from Leader Snoke. And he works really hard. Yeah, because he's a massive suck-up. And he's not afraid to talk back to Kylo, but I really like that exchange that we also well, alluded to, to last week. He tries to kill him in The Last Jedi. He sure does. The, the illusion we referenced last week about Kylo basically saying maybe Leader Snoke should consider a clone army. They're talking about how they've had a breach in the the purity of yeah, their no, army. Yeah, that was this 20. It was this 20, I know. And... and it was a really good uh, conversation that I think is lost in the jargon of Star Wars. I don't yeah. think people really fixate on, on it too much. But do you know why the First Order decided to revert back to a more human army from the clone situation? Uh, well, it's the same reason as to why the Empire did it. Uh, there was a lot of degradation with initial clone troopers because okay. you're accelerating their growth. They also had accelerated decline. And so they actually had short lifespans. Uh, the reason as to why Rex is as old as he is 
um, in kind of the Return of the Jedi era. He's the he's the weird, a bearded white guy who is has been retroactively made a character from Clone Wars and Rebels. Right, and he's a clone of Jango Fett. Exactly. Yeah. But he would not be that old. No. But his accelerated age causes him to be that age. The only person who was not accelerated was Boba. Uh, and he was just exactly the same as Jango Fett in that regard. Okay. Um, so that's why it's kind of an interesting situation there as to why they wouldn't but there's no reason that clone technology could not have significantly improved by then are and that's why still, i still think that the sith troopers are clones are they still producing some clones do you think no no that's 100 I, I think this line is su- supposed to cement that yeah so that if clones are introduced later in this trilogy it's introduced later in this trilogy and so that if there is the hidden clone factory somewhere it's something that has only been planted as a tiny tiny seed but one that is kind of trying to negate that that's an option, even though it's it's definitely possible for the rise of Skywalker. Right. Okay, so we talked about the the mythology of the Graflex specifically. What about Luke in a greater context? Like, I think, I think Rey's reaction to having heard the mention of Luke Skywalker in this 20 is very telling because it's, it raises all it's these... It's a great line. It's it, a great reaction. It is. Luke Skywalker, I thought he was a myth. It raises all these questions about what the people within this universe know of Luke, mm-hmm. how much they believe to be true, what they what they believe to be true that is in fact not true. Like, we well, really want to know who he is culturally within the galaxy. Apparently he has a map that leads to Luke Skywalker and everyone's after it. Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. What? Well, there is a book, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, which is kind of like that. It starts out, and it's it's kids telling stories. That's cool. Yeah, it's very and it came out prior to the Last Jedi. Okay. So like the whole broom kid thing, like yeah. it, it predated it. So it's it's a really really cool concept in the way that's done. But Luke Skywalker is a myth. Yes, he is a, a legend of the galaxy, even though it hasn't been that long. Even though it hasn't been that long, he is known in circles and by a lot of people as Leia's mythical brother. Oh, okay. Like, people know of, of his heroics, but they also know that he's weird and that he's has separated himself from any political connections and that he is... He, he's he's a monk with superpowers. So he's undeniably a historical figure, but whether or not he was a Jedi, quote unquote, is up to your opinion. No, so difference in that regard. The people who knew the close elements of um, like the Battle of Endor, the Battle of Yap, the people who were high ranking in the rebellion. Because the rebe- rebellion was small. Yes. The rebels and the people who were associated with them, they know who Luke Skywalker was in every capacity. But the galaxy is so huge, the same way that some people didn't even know if Jedi were real things, that Luke Skywalker and the individual who uh, blew up the Death Star, like that was more of a famous thing for Luke Skywalker than anything that happens in Return of the Jedi. Right. Because nobody knows that he kills Vader. Nobody knows that uh, the Emperor is killed by Vader. Nobody knows any of the shit that happens on the second Death Star. All that is kept by Luke to himself. I mean, he tells it to Leia and such. But that's the reason as to why he isn't necessarily even seen as that interesting to the entire galaxy. Lando is the one who blows up second Death Star. That's right. Yep. And so Lando gets his second round of, um, you know, waving to the crowd. But Luke Skywalker's big moment in the galaxy is blowing up the first Death Star. Right. And that's really all that, like, yes, and after that point... It's the legends of all the things that he did. But didn't he, like, start an academy and train a bunch of Jedi? Oh, that's the thing. We have no idea on any of the details about any of that. Okay. Lor Santeca would likely... They likely work together to collect artifacts. 
Uh, and then Laura Santaca also had probably connected and reached out to Force sensitive people across the galaxy. And so my guess is he was a big player in assembling that academy, but we have no idea how long that academy ran. So it could have been started pretty early on and then Ben Solo was shipped off to the academy. It could have been that Luke started the academy because he had Ben and he wanted him to learn alongside peers. And this was maybe Ben at 10 years old. Who knows? Maybe like, because it gets to the point where like six years prior to, uh, the Force Awakens, all this shit stops because Ben goes bad. Right. But we don't know really what happens in the first 23 years of Ben's life. No. In the sense of, was he with Luke for 12 years? Was he with Luke for five years? Uh, like We kind of get, I always assumed he was shipped off to Luke at like 10 or 12. Okay. Uh, but we don't know that. Here's a reasonable question for you. How old is Poe in this timeline? How long has he been with the Resistance? Because he's Leia's, General Organa's most daring pilot. Presumably, he's been around for a little while. His and he's not, a, he's not a child. His parents knew Luke Skywalker. His parents knew Leia. Uh, his parents were rebels. Okay, see, that that's very important. So he presumably, in fact, knows Luke he's Skywalker. He's from Yavin. He's only been gone for six years, right, Luke? So No, 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 Luke? Yeah. Luke's been gone for 20 Five years. Okay, so Poe probably doesn't know Luke. No, he wouldn't know Luke. He you know would know who, of Luke. He probably anyway, he would know Luke is absolutely real. Yes, and that's why, like, even when Finn is in the Tie Fighter, and that's a great line. It is. Uh, it's got a map to Luke Skywalker. Oh, are you kidding? kidding? Like, are yeah, you like, kidding oh, me or this something. guy believes in that crap. But it's like Poe 100 percent knows, and that's the reason why Poe is also sent to go see Laura Santeca. Okay, but this, this level of trust. This too. means Poe also knows Kylo Ren. No, it does not mean that at all. Why not? I don't think anyone does. They do share in common sort of a mother figure. Oh, totally. And so that that could be a point for an emotional uh, climax in the next movie. Yeah. But also, Poe very well could have been sent off at an early age to an academy of sorts. That's right. And Kylo sure ship wasn't sent off to that kind of academy. Not to be in a pilot. No, no, totally different thing. Although, is Kylo Ren a great pilot? It's in his blood. It's in his blood. I think you have to assume. Uh, however, I also kind of wanted to bring that back to the 20 a little bit here. And yeah. yes, we see Ray being an insanely good pilot. Insanely. In, like better than Han Solo's ever flown. Sorry, right. it's the truth in this 20. Yes. It's the best flying we've ever seen in Star Wars, period. Considering how unconventional the Millennium Falcon is, it's kind of insane. It's insane. Yeah. And that shot that Finn does at the end, but the foresight for Ray to do that, yes. to tell him, like, that's insane. It is. But also at the same time, Finn learns ridiculously quickly. Sure. It's it's in his makeup. Is it? What's in his makeup that makes him an easy Well, I just learner? mean I just mean he is conditioned to be I don't necessarily mean he was born with great reflexes. But I just he, mean he's, he's been trained he, beyond He what he never gunned a uh, a tie fighter. So he never would have been a gunner on a, any other ship. But isn't he a great soldier? He's a great soldier. Yeah. And he fires a blaster. But I, I don't know. It, to me, it can potentially point to Finn being still force sensitive. Okay. So there is still like we've gone like two movies into this trilogy so far, and we have two force users left, pretty much. Yes. That's not that's not that interesting. We know we're getting Palpatine back. The Knights of Ren very likely have force abilities. Um, but there's a decent chance there could be a reveal that there is another. Sure. And Finn was meant to be the Jedi in The Force Awakens in the sense of all the promo material yes. made us believe that. Right. So why not double back on that? Because they planted the seeds of him being a Jedi. Now right. let's harvest those seeds. Well, and honestly, that kind of services 
Finn and Ray not getting together romantically. It, yeah, it would in that regard. It would, whether you like it or not, in this 20, there's some serious meet-cute energy between these two people. Oh, absolutely. And I've, like, I, I that's what was a disappointing part about um, The Last Jedi and the annoying part of Rose. It kind of is, too. Yeah, and I don't I don't need all my main characters to have a, a, a B-love story. No, but Finn is clear, like... It, it's too weird for him to like switch on a dime. It's also and my it, favorite part of Finn. Like, yeah. He, oh yeah. His absolutely. his compa- his love for yeah. It's all it's fun to make bromance jokes about Poe, but his mm-hmm. his love for Ray drives his like everything he does in Star Wars. That's true. It is interesting though that you could also state that the two the first two people he meets outside of um, anything he forms a lot of attachment to these people that's true because these are like the first people he's ever met first good guys he knows yeah and so there's also an argument you could say on that is that finn just he initially he didn't like he had no interest in sticking around for the resistance right he stuck around for ray and ray only yep and then the last jedi tries to leave the resistance to go find ray right because he's not there for the resistance and the whole point of last jedi is to show that he then is there for the resistance he becomes a fully formed resistance fighter and realizes what he truly cares about but at the same time i don't think it should negate the clear obsession he kind of has with ray for the first movie and 20 minutes of the last jedi i never thought before about how both movies start with him defecting yeah <laughs> yeah he's just he runs away <laughs> yeah he's kind of an AWOL dude that's okay I, I mean obviously I like Finn and in general he's quite charming in this 20 this is the 20 that establishes how affable he is as an actor John Boyega um, but he ha- there's a couple of takebacks from Finn I, I heard it for the first time in this movie I think probably a lot of people will never have heard it because it's very quick and very muffled but he says droid please in this 20 seriously and I hate it I did not hear that at all. It sucks. It's when he's it's when he's arguing with BBA. He's trying to convince BBA not to tell Ray yeah. that he's not in the resistance, and he says, "Droid, please." And and it's just, it's it's I don't know. It's like oh, when yeah. the, it's like when the chem teacher raps. It's it it's just forced. You got to tell us where your base is. I don't speak that. All right, between us, I'm not in, with the resistance. Okay, I'm just trying to get away from the first order. But you tell us where the base is, and I'll get you there. Deal. Droid, please. Pilot driver, hurry. Droid, right. please. I don't like it. I don't like it much, but I like... I never noticed it before, but I, I wrote it down. But I like, why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? You got yeah. a family, you got a boyfriend, cute boyfriend. I, I don't like that line. I think it's funny. I, I, just, I, I like the line, I just don't like the addition of cute boyfriend. I think it's fine, You but... can throw in the boyfriend part and have him be inquisitive there. I don't know. Something about the cute boyfriend's too um, millennial, too I nowadays. Guess, I guess, but I, I think it feels like... Finn. I think it works for his character, maybe not for everybody, but that line in particular goes beyond meet cute energy. It goes to, by the way, these two are going to fall in love. That's what that means. Well, that is what that, the whole point of that line is that that's yeah. clearly an interest in his regard. But then, of course, a lot of fans like the Raylo thing. So that's toxic as fuck. And it's stupid. not that good. Do you want to talk about some quotes? Uh, sure. Uh, the What Girl, of course. What Girl is, I mean, Chewie We're Home is the name of this episode. Definitely. It's, it's not close. A very important line in for all of, all of the Disney acquisition. Chewing. We're home. I don't care what color he is. No droid can be that important. Yeah, I love that too. Careful, Ren, that your personal interests not interfere with orders from Leader Snoke. This is a great one from Kylo. They're obviously skilled at committing high treason. Perhaps Leader Snoke should consider using another clone army. Yeah, that's really good. Skilled at committing high treason, yeah. Mm. He fucking hates Finn in this movie. This is another... 
line by Finn that I could go both ways on. And the one way it's really good comedic acting. Oh, it's, I think I love this line. I've never met a resistance fighter before from Ray. She says, yep. well, this is what we look like. Some of us, others look different. I love that line. I think it's incredible. It's good. It's, it's, it's also, very good com- comedy writing is what it is. And I also think it's a nice, but very, very, very subtle throwback to, aren't you short for a stormtrooper? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Because he is a stormtrooper, and but like, is this what a resistance fighter looks like? No, this is what a stormtrooper looks like. <laughs> well, this is what I look like. Let's yes. not fixate on what uh, how I how I'm similar to other people. Because <laughs> he also has no fucking clue what anyone in the resistance looks like other than Poe. Right. And he's wearing Poe's jacket. So stop taking my hand. Stop taking my hand. It's it's a simple line. It's just four words, but she says it with such irritability like and that's my favorite thing about ray in this 20 is how impatient she is with finn when she's pointing her hand towards one of the tools and she's trying to get finn to hand him the right tool so she can fix the thing down below deck Mm -hmm. and she's just every time she says no she says it with a little more ire Mm -hmm. and i think she's i think it's some of her best acting in the early parts of this series yeah no no (laughs) i find it really funny uh let go of me i know how to run without you holding my hand that's a good one as well. This Shep hasn't flown in years, I think, is is just, a, is, that's for us. That's another one of those, hey, yeah. we're back doing these movies again lines. That one's garbage. Yeah. Garbage will do. Right, right. Uh, the yeah. droid stole a freighter. Oh, I liked that from one Kylo too. Ren. The I droid, love that. The droid pause. Stole a freighter. Stole a freighter. Uh, we were home. Yeah, I knew him. I knew Luke. Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. And that thing you can't understand can understand. And that thing can understand you too. So watch it. Uh, come out of there. Where'd you get this ship? Come yeah, on. yeah. So there's lots of good writing. There's there's lots of fan and of service. course the twelve, fourteen. <laughs> I hate that part honestly. Some I, moof milker put a compressor on the ignition line. I the, some of that is a little too fan servicey. We do not need to reference the Kessel Run. We have done so much Kessel Run in just a couple of Disney Star Wars. Well, movies. that's a mistake. I put we, it away. We're not going to go into the Solo shit no. though. You're right, but that's what I mean. Like we we have so much Han Solo we can reference. If you want us to feel like we're dealing with Han Solo again, does it have to be the Kessel Run? Yeah, like yeah, I knew him. I knew Luke. And uh, will you tell him that Han Solo just stole back the Millennium Falcon for good? This is the Millennium Falcon. You're Han Solo. I used to be. Han Solo? The Rebellion General? No, the smuggler. Wasn't he a war hero? (laughs) Which is cool, because it just shows how many characters Han Solo really is. You're right, but would he be notorious as a smuggler? Yeah. Really? Only for Rey, though. She's on a junk trading planet. That's that's true. That's and he And it it shows though that She's a junk trader, and she sees him as the smuggler. And he references knowing some of the same circuit that she's familiar with. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So speaking of the Millennium Falcon, um, how come when that guy brings the bad news to Ren about the BB-8 unit having gotten away, and he says they got away on a Karelian YT model freighter, how come that's not more striking to Kylo? Because I know the Millennium Falcon's not one of a kind, but he knows that's Papa's ship. Yes and no. Um, he knows that's his dad's ship, but at the same time, we don't know how long it's been stolen. No. And we also don't... But he knows the legend of Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. It has to matter to him yeah, that but, that's the ship they're on. But why the fuck is it on Jakku? That's the thing. Even yeah. Han didn't check Jakku. They right. didn't check the Western Reaches because they didn't think it was a chance that it would Kylo, be on that junkyard. Kylo has to, rep- he has to recognize some weird similarities, some weird coincidences, because he knows that there's significance to Jakku. He knows he was just on Jakku. Yeah, but at the same time, 
I don't know, I think he's pretty focused on the droid when he hears about the girl. And maybe that's kind of like linking all things together. Maybe he doesn't think about the freighter until he thinks about it in the full picture. But then again, they also cut the scene of him on the Falcon, which is really annoying. They better saving it for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, maybe so. Well, I still think there's a cool chance that he'll fly the Falcon. Um, It would be nice. Yeah, he could kill himself in the Falcon. Yeah, he could crash the Falcon. He could fly it into the mall. Yeah. And take himself down as Palpatine in that way, because that's how um, one of the great Sith um, parasitic legends was killed in Star Wars. Suicide mission. Uh, Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was trapping them in the mall. Yeah. And specifically, it was the only way in... um, so I, it, there could be a way in which you do that to Palpatine. Is it ever explained how Poe gets separated from the TIE fighter and Finn? Uh, no, it's explained in the book. He's um, just ejected and somehow is unharmed? Well, no, Finn's ejected. That's the reason why they don't see each other. But he's right there with the TIE fighter. Where'd Poe go? Finn was knocked out. Poe left. He didn't see Finn anywhere near him because Finn got ejected like a ways away. Whereas Poe okay. was in there and was like, where the fuck is Finn? I see. Um, what is the monster or, or no, phenomenon actually, that, that... I don't believe... I believe Poe was knocked out. And then some people found him. Took him away. And took him away right away. I Th- see. That's what I think is from the book. I haven't read the book, though. What is the monster or phenomenon that consumes and then blows up the, the TIE fighter? Is it the sinking fields that we heard from Ray in the beginning? That's what I believe. Yeah. yeah that's what I always assume. Sinking fields in the north. Okay. Um, which is also known as something else. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to say about this 20. It was very satisfying. It's a thumbs up. It's not a middle finger. You know what I'm oh, talking about? Yeah, Give me is. a break. Yeah, that was good. Um, That's all I got. Oh, some people think that's a middle finger? No, Lots of people do. How? Lots of people he, say. He helps Finn. That doesn't make any sense. It was a whole discussion about whether or not uh, Star Wars was going to curse now because they put a middle finger in and it was a droid. That's the dumbest shit it's I've ever heard. It's so dumb. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that. That's really stupid. Yeah. It's really dumb. Uh, do you want to do some trivia? Yes, sure. My Padawan question for you. Uh, what do we learn in this 20 about the mechanism of a stormtrooper helmet? Oh, it can filter out smoke, but not toxins. That's right. Yeah, that is an interesting little bit. Uh, and also, that one gets Ray. Like she gives him a double take on that one. Like, how the fuck do you know that? How do you know that? I never even thought about how suspicious it is that he would know that. Well, he also says it messes with their tracking when you go low. There's yeah. a lot of shit that he knows that he. Sh- he says, a, I think, another thing as well. How long before she finds out? Not too long. Uh, not too too long. No, and yeah. um, it's. I don't think they really have much of a. It's, it's it's like because they kind of get separated pretty that's soon right. then anyway that's right yeah um can we have uh, for me padawan question for you uh where is the resistance base located oh yeah it's classified right doesn't yeah, doesn't bb-8 that, say that it's on a need to know basis well then bb-8 then races and if i'm flying you there i need to know <laughs> oh uh right they do say i don't i don't know but it's gonna drive me crazy because i'll know it as soon as you say it obviously yeah you will the eileenian eileenian system. system yeah I can hear her saying that in, yeah. in disgust. Uh, night question. Where on Jakku has Finn crashed? The Gozan Badlands? Yeah, I, I wrote it as the Goazan Badlands. I think that's how they pronounced it. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I just associate that as the sinking, fi- as the sinking fields in the north. Why do, we, um, why do we sometimes call it Jakku and sometimes we call it Jakku? I don't know. I think it's been called every variation with different enunciations by the characters that... We don't really know whether it's... But like, it's kind of cool that they're is inconsistent it Jakku? about that. Is it Jakku or is it like... 
some kind of middle, middle yeah. mid range. It's funny though because that that was true in 1977 too. They weren't totally clear on the exact pronunciation of things, and so they just kind of let it go. Yeah. And nowadays, in most movies, you'd be like, it's not pronounced that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. And then this one, it's. I mean, it's not too far of a reach. It's not like a massive, massive difference where like GIF, no, GIF and GIF or something yes, like that. Yes, it's not noticeable, but it kind of stood out to me for whatever reason on this round. Uh, what did Hux fire on Poe and Finn to shoot them down? Or command them, command the ship to fire? I See, I know this one too. I have to start writing things down that I anticipate you'll be asking. I don't know, tell me. The ventral cannons. The ventral cannons. Yeah, I remember because I thought about using that as a trivia question. But then I replaced it with this one, my master question. What is the order of ownership of the Millennium Falcon from Han to Rey up to now? I do know this one. Okay. Uh, Duca Duquesne stole it from Han, and the Irving boys stole it from Duquesne, and then Unkar Putt stole it from them, and Rey stole it from him. Who had it? Duquesne? I stole it from Unkar Putt. He stole it from the Irving boys who stole it from Duquesne. Who stole it from me. That's correct. The Irving boys was the one I had to slow it down and listen to the most carefully because I wasn't sure if I was hearing that correctly. I, Who were they? Uh, I know Duquesne, they've done more information on him in the past. Right, clearly. Uh, but I don't, and like I think the initial stealing element of it, uh, but I have no idea who the Irving boys are. And did they actually steal it? Did Duquesne steal it from Han or did Han lose it? In some kind of like scrupulous way, the way no, Lando I, th I lost think it from him. I think Duquesne would have stolen it. Okay, that's the thing. Han loves that ship. Han is literally going across the galaxy just looking for the ship. He's not looking for his son. He's looking for his ship. Yeah, that's kind of sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and he was willing to just like capture it up. You nailed it. Uh, thank you. And my master question is. Uh, where uh so well, i have two here um i'll ask this what are the two tools ray asks finn to hand her i don't know i have no idea a harris wrench and a pilex driver i don't remember either of those words but i like that scene yeah and then there's also where does ray say she'll drop finn and bb8 off to get them to the eileen system i don't know ponemus terminal i don't remember that either it's funny stuff just kind of becomes sludge in your head when you're watching the Star Wars movie. Yeah, and a lot of it is slurred and said quickly and quietly, and yeah. that's generally why when you watch it more and more, you pick up on them. But that's what makes it feel real. Yeah, absolutely. That they don't make a meal out of every weird little alien line. And that's the thing. We behind the scenes do. We the fans make the meal out of everything else. You're right. You know what's really heartbreaking? That this is now the second time in this movie that BB-8 has been led to believe that Poe is dead. And it's really heartbreaking both times. He makes this like sad mm. beep. <laughs> both times. Yeah. In in a half an hour, he's he's gotten this information twice. The thumbs up, the sad response, um, and then catching himself midair with the magnets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. BB-8 has a cool 20 in BB-8 does a miraculous job of making you not miss R2-D2. Which is insane. It's insane that they pulled that off. Because R2 is a top 10 Star Wars character. And it was bold of them to just really not use him at all in this movie or very much in the next movie. Not barely. I mean, although he has a killer, killer moment in the next movie. He does. He does. And it remains to be seen how much he's in in mm. The Rise of Skywalker. But I'm guessing not that much. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I am, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay with him being Luke and Anakin's. Yeah. And that after Luke, it was, okay, I'm tired. Yeah. Let's hang up the skates. I'm an old bucket of bolts. Yeah. And that's why I like the, the very cool comic approach that they did. Um where BB-8 and R2 are swapping war stories. Oh, cool. Yeah, they start out and you don't realize who's talking about these. And it's yeah. clearly an old vet talking to someone who's new. Yeah. But it's it's beeps. It's R2, But you don't realize it's beeps until they translate after. That's so. sweet. It is. Do you have anything else? Um, Just uh, just having Harrison Ford back and having him go full in as Han Solo. It's so Han Solo. It 
doesn't skip a beat. Yeah, obviously Chewie We're Home is is the winner of the 20. Seeing the Falcon for the first time and hearing that music is really, really exciting. Um, Yeah, it's it's the most effective comeback of an old character I've ever seen in a film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Really, the only thing I have left to say is, this is something I meant to bring up last week, but I just want to tap on it again before we get a little bit more information uh, on anything else. But Ray's staff. Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? What is it? Yeah. What is it is a better question because I don't even think it's a staff. It's always looked like a lightsaber on the top. Yes. Intentionally Um, so. Yeah. But at the same time, that might be just a a red herring. It it seems awfully important though. Maybe it's just supposed to be her Han Solo's blaster um, in that regard. But I don't know. It's a big stick. It runs parallel um, to the lightsabers on the poster I don't know. There's something about it. I, maybe it was JJ's intention to give her a double-bladed lightsaber at some point. I don't think I want to see another double-bladed lightsaber. It was cool I once. Do. I definitely do. It's Star Wars. It's been established. I think it's appropriate. I think it's stupid for there to be fewer. I think it's necessary in the Old Republic to truly yeah, show. I think that's fine. I think you can show them elsewhere. I just don't think that we need to make it so essential that it's Rey's lightsaber, just because she happens to have a long stick when we meet her. Yeah, that's fair. There was actually the initial uh, lightsaber that Kylo was going to have was going to be a double-bladed red and blue to show his confliction. That's too easy. Yeah. Yeah. But it would have been, yeah, I don't know exactly. Maybe it was made out of the Graflex or something. Who knows? Oh, okay. I I, I don't know. It's just from the uh, art like of the Original Wiccans. concept art. Yeah. And it's it's... Pretty cool looking. Though. Let's move on. We got some news to talk about. Yes, we certainly do. There's Let's, a big one. Let's lead with that. We want to lead with that one? Yes. All righty. Uh, it's finally happening. We are finally getting our Obi-Wan series. Has Penn been put to paper? Because I need to hear it from Ewan McGregor's mouth. So you're going to, and okay. you're going to hear it from Ewan McGregor's mouth on Friday, Saturday, or Friday or Saturday. Okay. The only reason why I'm saying that is because this is so clearly the big reveal that D23 is now really pissed they can't do a big reveal. It kind of sucks. They kind of had their wind taken out of their sails. Yeah, it's absolutely what it is. It adds extra credit to it to show that that was the big reveal. There was nothing else that was going to be really coming as a reveal in this D23. I mean, there's going to be a lot of focus on the Mandalorian and you're going to get a lot of good content in that regard. I don't think it steals their thunder that much. I think they can still still joke about it and then they can have him walk on stage and people will go freaking nuts. They'll go no less nuts. No kidding, especially when he greets them. Yes. Hello there. Oh, true. And I mean, it's what we've been waiting for for so long. I mean, yeah, for like five years. So well, the rumors are around that it's an adaptation of the initial movie script. Okay. Uh, so that it's it's a limited six episode series. Great is the rumor. Uh, some people are talking about like, oh, I want it to be like ten episodes a season, seven seasons, or like four seasons. I'm like, slow down. Yeah, it's going to be so limited. Yeah. Uh, by the sounds of things, you and McGregor worked into the deal to direct at least one of the episodes. Cool. Which is great. Um. And we don't really have any idea about anything plot-wise. Right. Um, But I would personally, I think it's a missed opportunity if you choose anyone over Vader as the main antagonist. Wow. I think you're insane to not. Yeah, because what's the Obi-Wan story if not the story of his relationship with Anakin Skywalker? His story is he's the shepherd of the Skywalkers. Yes. He shepherds Anakin to the wrong place. And then even after he dies, he's able to train Luke and help Luke. And that's the essential part of his story. Well, and it's his great shame for 20 years on Tatooine. Of course, but also in the same vein, um, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. Mm-hmm. He left him for dead. Yeah. He didn't think he could turn him back. He that's right. He said you were the chosen one. And he was pissed at him. And so 
We also, does he know Vader's alive? Because he left him dead. There was no way he was surviving that shit. Right. Um, but we also know he's been communing with Qui-Gon. And so it's an opportunity for Liam Neeson to be in the movie. It's an opportunity, sorry, in the TV show, 100% Yoda. Um, there's a, it, it makes no sense in my mind for him to stay on Tatooine. Some people want him to stay on Tatooine. I think it's stupid. No. Uh, yeah, you don't need him to go everywhere. You need him to have a confrontation with uh, Joel Edgerton. He needs to, like, there needs to be a reason as to why uh, Ben in particular, or Obi-Wan in particular, is a crazy old wizard oh. and not the helpful man who brought me my adopted son. This can also be Joel Edgerton's show. He can be, he can be a like a B character who is in every episode. Yeah. They don't, they don't have to have a lot of scenes together, but they can both have separate stories that, that climax in the same place. Definitely. Definitely. He should, and in my opinion, he should be. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity to... That's Owen Lars, for those not sure about the guy. He played young Owen Lars. Yes. Uh, I also think it's insane if they don't put Jimmy Smith in it. Yeah. Uh, Use just, him as much as you can. Uh, some people even thought about the the element of having Leia in it. I think that's stupid. It doesn't work at all, in my opinion. How? Like a like young like girl Leia? Yeah. And in my opinion, it sounds like she doesn't know Obi-Wan. Some people say they feel like her message is, is, as, is, is as if she knows him. No, she In do, my it opinion, it's viewed as... Bail Organa, when telling stories of the war and the incredible Jedi to his daughter, who is, who is he going to tell? Is he going to tell stories about her birth father who slaughtered a bunch of people later? Or is he going to tell stories about the man, the good man who trained her birth father and the good man who is still alive and the good man who he will one day need to call upon? Well, and the introduction years ago, you helped my father in the Clone Wars, is an introduction of herself. That's, yes. that's who I am. The only way it could be is if he knows, like, very 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 young leia and it's like maybe they met once or like, something i'd be okay with there being something that implies her nearby presence hmm. in some way shape or form um but i don't want to see her on screen but i do want to see jimmy smith's on screen yeah i think it's a missed opportunity if not agreed uh but it has to be vader it has to be vader as the main antagonist because obi-wan is his public enemy number one right Yoda is Palpatine's, and Obi-Wan is Vader's. But, but and six TV shows with with Darth Vader again? That's no. a lot of new Darth Vader. No, you don't need six TV shows with Darth Vader. You reveal him, well, maybe, but you could maybe have him, I don't know, you really don't need much of him no. in any of the episodes but one. Right. But in the same vein, if this was once a movie script, are we going to have another fucking pointless movie like Solo? Right. Is it going to be like a Western where Obi-Wan is fending off, like, like protecting a village on Tatooine? I don't want that shit. Well, and here's the other thing. Do we tell a story that happens over a really rough week in that mid-17 years? Or do we tell a 12-year story in six episodes? That could be interesting. That's a really interesting one because I, do, I don't think that that's what they do. And no. I don't think I want that. I think I want... Five years after Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, I want him a little older than that. They really want to Alec Guinness him up a little well, bit. Well, yes, but you also need to show that he's aging extremely quickly. He can't be decrepit, I guess. That's, uh, that's kind of useless. And, and it's implied when they meet face-to-face -face for the last time in A New Hope. It's been a while since they saw each other. Yeah, and I was but the learner. Uh, now I am the master. That's right. So Obi-Wan needs to beat his ass again. And Anakin still needs to be the learner. That's the thing. Obi-Wan needs to, like... He needs to leverage the cockiness against him. Oh, that's true. It needs to be one more thing that Obi-Wan... It Obi does feel like they're referencing Mustafar in that meeting. So it's going to be something. It does feel that. That is true. It's going to be something that 
in some way, shape, or form, Anakin learned from Obi-Wan and is once again trying to throw back at him. Right. Like the same way that Anakin tries to kill Obi-Wan, the way that Obi-Wan killed Darth Maul or cut Darth Maul in half. Right. Obi-Wan's thinking, dude, don't try it. Yeah. I, I, to, I told you about this. Yeah. This is, I know what you're doing. You will lose. You will lose. Yes. And so it's going to be the same kind of shit again where it wouldn't surprise me if it was, I don't know, I don't know how you do it, but. Maybe they uh, don't meet face to face. Maybe maybe he is the looming villain, but they don't actually meet. I don't think. Maybe that, there's some kind of cowardice. I don't think that really works. It, it has to end emotionally, right? Like if we're going to tell oh, a yeah. packaged story about Obi-Wan over six episodes, something destructive has to happen. And it can't be that Obi-Wan dies, that Vader dies, that Lars dies. It needs to show that he's more machine than man. Yes, true. Because that's the way Obi-Wan sees it. He doesn't see him as savable anymore. Right. And for him to just not see him for 20 years, and also the more machine than man thing, how the fuck would he know? He wouldn't know. He, he wouldn't shouldn't know at all. Know. He shouldn't know that's in any true. way, shape, or form. Right. And also, no one in the galaxy knows that Darth Vader is Anakin. The only person who could know is Obi-Wan. Well, Obi-Wan knows for sure. Like he's yeah. he's definitely heard through the rumor mill. There's this yes. this tyrannical leader who works closely with the Emperor named Darth Vader. And look at him, he's huge. Yes. So Obi-Wan could surmise from that that he has rebuilt his body. Yes, but at the same time, I don't think we know like is the audio there in that little recording and does Obi-Wan hear the Emperor calling him Darth Vader? Or is Darth Vader this looming presence that Obi-Wan hears about in, like, the cantina in the first episode? Right. And he starts to piece it together that Vader didn't die and that Anakin is Vader and that they're the same thing. Maybe something like that. Because there's Inquisitors in the galaxy, too. And so he knows that there's other Force users who've been corrupted in some way, shape, or form. But this is a second-in-command to the Emperor. And he's a, he's a beast. Yeah. He is incredible. Yeah. There's got to be something that makes him see the connection of, wait a minute, who, like, how, how does he piece that together? And so, I don't know, maybe it's a mission where he, once he hears about that, Qui-Gon communes with him, and then, like, it's yeah, something maybe, along those maybe lines. Yeah, maybe Qui-Gon can serve. He's, he can be a sort of exposition oh, vessel. Oh, huge piece. Yeah. Absolutely. Although there is a rumor, and this is one that concerns me and disappoints me, there's a rumor that Liam Neeson has been filmed and cut from episode nine cut already yeah oh well maybe they wanted to preserve him well maybe but also he had his racist moment oh i don't think that matters i mean it was it was awful what he said but i i think i what it's really loud sorry it was awful what he said but i and i'm not excusing it but i I think that is over. I think I that I think that he he made his um, his apologies, and I don't I don't think people would have been like, "What are you doing, Star Wars?" You know. Yeah, I I wouldn't think so as well. Um, and but it, it makes sense that if you're going to have all the Force ghosts back, and if you're going to put them in the Obi Wan show, it's establishing him as a Force ghost in this lineage. And then does it make sense? He can't manifest himself as a more as Force ghost in all capacities. So maybe he's only able to do it as a he voice. Can, he did like shoulders up, didn't he? Do that in the Clone Wars? Specifically, he was he was communicating with a physical presence on Mortis. Oh, and so Mortis is the most. I've mentioned what a Force Nexus is before. Yeah. It's the most high concentrated high concentrated Nexus in the galaxy. It's not even 
it's not it's on no map right it is an unfound it is a the most mysterious thing in the star wars galaxy i see uh it is the control of the force to a degree okay um it's mecca it's kind of like heaven yeah it's, it's supposed to kind of be like it, like it was a gateway to heaven that anakin looks at. it's like heaven and hell yes. sorry and then anakin was supposed to see his opportunity you're supposed to be the one who manages heaven and hell from now on you're the chosen one okay the good and you've you are the one to control the balance in the light and the dark oh i see i see that's uh, what the balance is yeah exactly and so it's 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 a very um does metaphysical mean um is that anything to do with metaphors and f- bringing things to physicality no it's it's about it's it's about like it's like extra physical like extraterrestrial like it's it's beyond well, it's definitely metaphysical now yeah no it works perfectly okay okay so that's that's the big thing obviously and maybe we'll find out this weekend a little confirmation because i said we've had it's this definitely conf- we've had this quote-unquote confirmed a couple times i think even in the run of this podcast we've been like oh it was confirmed they're doing an obi-wan movie and i think maybe they were but they were it wasn't officially announced so they didn't have to officially scrap it exactly and so i need to hear it from the horse's mouth yep that's fair uh there's so much smoke though Variety and Deadline have both reported on it, which are often like Lucasfilm's sources to publish it on. Um, and in the same vein, um, I was listening to a podcast and someone uh, said he called Lucasfilm. And they were like, you know the drill. Yeah. And so that's all they got. You know the drill. You know the drill. That's telling, though. And that's pretty damn telling. It is. So this is going to be on Disney Plus, obviously. And as Canadians, we have exciting news about Disney Plus. Yes. uh, November 12th, exact same release as the U.S. And it's $8.99 or $89 for the year. Which I think is great. Really, that's a savings of two months. Yeah, it is. It's really good. That's really worth it. I'll do that. Yep. Um, It's a little just a hair cheaper than Netflix. Yep. Uh, We don't exactly know how populated. Uh, It's it's a good half cheaper than Netflix. I guess it is if you have like a full full Netflix Mm. uh, premium or whatever it is. Um, We don't know how populated it'll be with content right out the gate, right? Like we don't know. The big branches are Star Wars, Marvel, um, the live action, Pixar, and national geographic do we have like the classic vault uh i think they'll will be put on over time if not to in be. some i think in some capacity some of them will be available right away and they're obviously driving some content uh we're gonna get clone wars rebels uh all of the original trilogy and the prequels will be on there right away they'd be really wise to make it like just this binge factory for a lot of people for a really long time because what they've been able to do with Disney Plus that no other streaming service has been able to do, maybe Apple TV Plus will be able to do it a little bit, we'll we'll see down the road, is create this much hype over something that we don't even know what it is yet. True. Like every other streaming service, Hulu and Amazon Prime and less so Netflix because that's always the first one everybody subscribes to. Mm. Um but uh, every other streaming platform we might have, you only signed up for a because it was convenient to do so, and you were had you had it for other reasons via a package or you were ordering packages uh, uh, from Amazon, uh, or because you really had heard so much about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel that you just had to sign up. Yeah, uh, and so this is not the case with Disney. You want it for everything, not for one thing. Probably yeah. for a lot of people, for sure. Some people will want it for just one thing, though, and it's built into their strategy on a couple things. So they are apparently working. They have not announced what it is, but they're working on an anti-piracy and password sharing approach. Okay, I'm not sure what the fuck that could be. Uh, it could be associated with IP addresses, uh, which is going to make people really fucking pissed. Yeah, um, I'm curious to know how they can do it and not make it impossible for people to travel and still use their account. Yeah, that sounds because tricky. that's really the big thing, and apparently Netflix's view on it, um, they just they see it as marketing. Yeah, it, it, they they chalk up the equivalent to losses in password sharing as 
exposure marketing and I, making, I, yeah. making people into addicts of their content. But the big thing for me is The Mandalorian is going to have two episodes released at the start. Interesting. So they're going teaser episode. They're going for event programming and not binge programming, yeah. which is the right thing to do if you want to make sure people don't subscribe and unsubscribe a week later. Mm -hmm. So if they need to guarantee that that revenue is going to get people enticed and is going to get them hooked over a couple of months, you need to spread the Mandalorian. It's really over smart. A couple months, we don't have we don't have to binge everything. And yeah, I agree. Nobody I've I've heard nobody mention that key point, which is kind of an essential element. They want to keep your money. Of course, they're going to draw it out in that regard. That's a huge distinguisher on. for. From every other platform though yeah and I'm well, okay it's kind of it's almost kind of going to be a novelty CBS now all access is that is the one that does it that way Star and hbo yeah but it's like star trek for example and right where some people are comparing the, the approach to uh, it's almost novel now to like look forward to a day of the week because that's when this show is on it, it, it we don't have game of thrones anymore just game of thrones is the only one that people still and think the mandalorian about that is one that could be that some people mention like oh the obi-wan could be like that the obi-wan will not be like that it won't be that long but the mandalorian could very well be a f like four or five seasons uh, with eight to ten episodes a season. But are they doing them weekly and they're starting with two episodes right away? You get two right away, but we have no idea any of the other rollout schedule. Because I kind of think it's wise for for them. I mean, it's one thing if they want to give us two episodes right out the gate, but I think they should save some stuff for week two. It doesn't oh, have to yeah. be Star Wars. I think like they should, they should save Endgame for week two or like whatever it might be uh, just to keep you interested and like knowing that once you've plowed through all the stuff you were excited to see immediately there's something new coming on thursday i think that to a degree it's making sure that they have enough new programming across the board they're not going to be able to rely on new programming from just star wars or new programming from just marvel but the goal is that if you've had the service for a few months that there will be something else in that time that is new programming that entices you to want to stay on the platform right and then it's a snowball effect because as long as you can have things lead into other things that have some chain or reason as to why you'd want to do it, i.e. if you eventually get to the point where you have three Star Wars shows, or then you can have them run over the course of four months each, right. and then you have your full year, and nobody's dropping that account. Right. Nobody's unsubscribing to that shit. That's right. And that's the way they're going to do it. It's just going to take a little bit of time to get there, uh, but that's the reason why they bought Fox mm -hmm. and bought every piece of IP that's associated with Fox is because... That's a license to print television shows. It's insane. Like Disney does not have like ABC's catalog versus Fox's is night and day. Yeah. So it's interesting in that regard. And but Disney also has more of these streaming options too. So they could pull things from Hulu. Uh, they could pull things that they believe uh, make more sense for this platform. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you could also bundle in with Hulu and ESPN as well. Right. Um, other things in the news. So Resistance Season 2 is actually going to be its final season. I found that kind of interesting. So I think there's two main elements, three main elements in this. One is the fact that uh, they don't want to go beyond the Rise of Skywalker because that would be stupid. Yes. To have this as the like the furthest thing in the canon. Resistance is the final say? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's really stupid because yeah. it's so clearly linked to this saga uh, in some of the characters and the way the Rise of the Resistance is done. Uh, but it's currently the second season is taking place after the force awakens um so in some in i'm guessing for a good chunk of it also the last jedi mm -hmm. uh, so it will take place in that time period so that's maybe one of the reasons as to why they wanted to kill it there's also a good chance this is a result of them not being happy with the the fan reaction the critical reaction because it's shit um across the board like it, it's not it's not doing as well as rebels in any way right um, and it wasn't a smash hit with little kids like we thought it was trying to be. Well, but that's the thing. Like, Rebels, 
there's no reason why a kid can't like Rebels right. and an adult can like Rebels, whereas right. this was so skewered one way. And I'm not saying there's anything against that, but I think Galaxy of Adventures is the actual approach you want to do that. And so my guess is they've seen, okay, we're having huge success with Galaxy of Adventures. Resistance has been a major failure, and we don't have the ability to put Resistance right on Disney+. Plus. So fuck that shit. Right. Let's scrap Resistance the same way they scrapped Clone Wars as yep. soon as Disney bought them. Let's do our own thing again. And so Dave Filoni is going to be brought back to the drawing board and be like, okay, Dave, everybody wants their Ahsoka and Sabine story. The Thrawn trilogy's up. You can now take those characters and do another TV show that takes place post-Return of the Jedi. How quickly do we get those final episodes of Clone Wars on Disney Plus? Right away? Uh, I don't know. I think it, I, I'm quite sure it's right away. Yeah. Uh, so there's more as well. That's exciting. Yeah. And Man, I think it's going to be a good a good final quadrant of the year. Oh, my God. So much phenomenal Star Wars content. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's other, a few other things just while we have it. Oh, Kylo Ren's also going to be in the second season of Resistance, too. Cool. Okay. Uh, and they see like his Ben Solo face. And so it's... Uh, but I also, um, it was a bit of a spoilery thing uh, for the Resistance for anyone who's watching, but I believe one of the main characters in the show turns to the First Order uh, just out of like the political convenience of it and oh. the way that it's kind of shifting within the galaxy, not like turned evil, but followed the the order right. of the of the galaxy. Which would be happening left and right. Well, the same way that so many people said, like, think of all the millions of janitors luke skywalker murdered on the death star that's right i mean yeah but also think of all the bad guys he did so. oh no he committed a war crime oh he totally committed a war <laughs> yeah. crime but it's the kind of war crime that is much closer to hiroshima and nagasaki than it is to you know iraq it did have to be done and and it's best that we not think about it too deeply exactly yes that's a great way of putting it <laughs> um ryan johnson uh he had a little quote on what his star wars trilogy will be about essentially just to keep people reminding stop fucking saying it's not happening it's going to happen yeah yeah i was listening to him on joseph gordon levitt's new podcast he was the inaugural guest oh, cool. on, on this podcast because they're buddies right they they made well joseph gordon levitt's in the last jedi okay that's interesting because i was going to say he was in brick which was ryan johnson's first movie and then he was in looper he was the star of that mm. i was going to say it wouldn't be so surprising if joseph gordon levitt was was around to be like a considerable player in Ryan Johnson's trilogy. He would be phenomenal. I think, I think he he'd be great be in Star Wars. And it, it, the character that he was in The Last Jedi, he's the um, the squid-like alien on Canto Bight who says you can't park on the beach. Oh, okay. So that's not disruptive. That's... Oh, not at all. You can easily recast him because nobody knows that's who it is. Uh, and he has a face for Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And he would fit, actually. That's a he's, really... He's very, very charismatic. He would be excellent in he's Star Wars. He's a little outside the box. Like, I think he actually stood a chance to be a bigger movie star than he's turned out to be Definitely. in the last five years. His hit record thing. Yeah, he really he, put he that first. He spent too much money, uh, too much time on that instead of... He prioritized it out of passion, though. I think yep, that's cool. That's if, he, if he wants to be in Star Wars, I think Ryan Johnson is his in. Yeah. Uh, and if he doesn't, that's fine, too. But I would be open to it for sure. Definitely. Uh, so Ryan Johnson said, we're doing something that steps beyond the legacy characters, uh, but what does that look like? To me, the blue sky element is what's most striking about it. I know the way that I'm coming at it and what's fun about it for everyone in George Lucas's films uh, is figuring out what's the next step. It really makes you think and figure out what the essence of Star Wars is for me and what that will look like moving forward. Cool. So I think he did a great job as 
an overall with the essence of Star Wars and The Last Jedi. And there are a couple plot things that I think are total shit in that movie. But it does not have any, it doesn't skew my opinion on Ryan Johnson or his ability to make movies or his ability to make a good Star Wars movie too. Because everything else he's done in his career is highly regarded. And The Last Jedi made shit tons of money and has moments in it that are sensational. Yes. And so if there's a little less like caring on legacy characters, people will hopefully not shit on him so much. And then that'll hopefully allow the trilogy to thrive. Well, and he didn't talk about the backlash directly when he was in this interview I was listening to, but he basically said, it's a complicated thing when you've loved something for literally your whole life. Yep. In fact, you became a movie maker mm-hmm. loving this thing. And then you get the almost unheard of opportunity to make one of them mm-hmm. and to show the world how you see it. Mm-hmm. And he says, cause that's what you do as a filmmaker. You show the world how you see this concept. Yep. And so that's all I was doing. And so like, if you, if you disagree, he didn't say this specifically, but this is what I glean. Like if you mm. disagree, that sucks, but that's what you get when you hire me to make a Disney or to yes. make a Star Wars movie. 100%. This is my Star Wars movie. A hundred percent. And that's what, and that's uh, you can never fault the man for that. No. The only, like, to be honest, J.J. Abrams is way more at fault. And Kathleen Kennedy as much so. Because the biggest issue with The Last Jedi is that it should not have fucking taken place five minutes later. Huge problem. Yeah, And it's something that I never would have guessed. I never would have been able to say that. We all wanted that lightsaber handoff. Yeah. But Ryan Johnson should have known better. If he threw that fucking lightsaber over the shoulder, then he should have known a hell of a lot better than to not start the movie there. Yeah. It was that literally eliminates the whole reason as to why you need to start the movie there. Right. And that's essential in my opinion. And so they should have made it a year later and they could have filled in a lot of issues with that. Uh, but JJ was the one who put Luke on the island. Uh, and Ryan, I, I thought with what he was given, I, I, I don't know how you can do it a whole lot differently unless you start it at a later point. Right. Um, right. But, and Canto Bite lifts right out. Oh, fuck. Well, it, it totally does. There's, a, there's yeah. a, a lot of reasons as to why, but yeah. um, Benioff and Weiss. Okay. So this is something that should have been done for this current trilogy of sequel movies. Right. Uh, is that they're going to do the treatment for the their full trilogy, probably only going to write the first one, and we don't know about the directing situation. My guess is they're going to just write the first one, do the treatments for the trilogy, and then they're done. They're not yeah. going to do anything else with Star Wars. They'll have their names on it, but probably won't. In like... a very small capacity. My yeah. guess is Disney was chatting with them and they got them on for the Star Wars and the element that they were going to work on over time was, okay, can we get these guys roped into Disney in a longer element? They end up going to Netflix. And so my guess is this rescinds some of their power in the Star Wars franchise. And my guess is, is part of the reason as to why they hired, um, oh fuck, what's her name? Uh, Michelle Rejwan. Yes. And so wouldn't shock me if Disney knew when they hired her that they were out of the race for Benioff and Weiss. And that specifically they needed somebody who could come in who could shepherd an overall vision in a way that those two could have also done but aren't going to be doing. Right. And so I, I think there's a chance that could be related in that regard uh, because like they're not they just signed a deal with Netflix. So they're not going to wait until like 2026 when these movies are done to, to when, start doing other shit. When Netflix will be something else entirely. Exactly. I mean, they're <laughs> going to work on Star Wars for the next two years, like they are right now, and that'll get them to the position they need to be, and maybe they'll direct another one so to throw another year on there. Right. But to be honest, they didn't direct that much in Game of Thrones, so it doesn't make sense. No. Um, I would be very surprised if they directed anything and just wrote the first script. So, I agree. Which is good. Yep. Um also, The Secrets of the Jedi, uh, kind of the honest first-hand telling from Luke, uh, it was also revealed in there that he has received training from Anakin. 
Luke did. Yes. What? So he communed with Anakin as a Force ghost post Return of the Jedi. Weird. Yeah. So he had some hard points where Anakin came to him. Okay. All the more reason to put Hayden in this movie. Hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. Really, he should be in this movie. That'd be amazing, though. The Force ghosts need to be. Yeah. And why not friggin' put them all in? Yeah. Just load. There's not that many of them. No. It's it's going to be. It's just so gratifying. It's just free applause in your movie. Like especially like have him come to Kylo. Yeah. How else are you going to turn him? It would mean everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And it connects the saga in so many ways. Uh, a little bit of an interesting element. Um, well, actually, no. I'll fill a couple of these things here. Uh, likely, we're going to get a D23, uh, a behind-the-scenes trailer-ish version for The Rise of Skywalker. I doubt we'll get another full trailer, uh, or actually a full trailer as the first one was a teaser. This one will likely be what happened at the last D23, where it's like a, a couple new shots, and then a bunch of behind-the-scenes shots. Some talking heads. Yeah, and rolled into one. And so it'll yeah. be really cool, and we'll probably get a, a lot revealed through that as well, but none of the plot, which is always what you want. We're going to have a lot to talk about for next week's podcast. We're going to have a ton, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Mandalorian, I would be shocked if the people who are at D23 do not get to see the pilot. Yes. I will be shocked. The whole pilot. I will be shocked. Wow. I really think it makes... Why? No, let's just show them 20 minutes of it. It's only 30 minutes. Why are they 30 minutes? They're 35 minutes, I think. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird to me. 30 to 45 is what I've read somewhere. So I, there's going to be a range. Why would you be so shocked? Why are you so sure they're going to see a whole pilot two well, minutes before everyone so else? I'm not so sure, but it's, it doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't. They've done that historically with Clone Wars. They've shown scenes. They, they showed a scene from The Mandalorian like back at Star Wars Celebration four months ago. Yeah. There's no reason that they are not going to have... And D23 does not have the same... Like exposure as other things. It's this remarkable is, there hasn't been a proper trailer for Mandalorian. Yeah. Well, they're going to be 100% there's going to be a trailer. Got to be. There's 100% going to be a trailer. But I think there's also a 90% chance that the people there are going to see a full episode. Right. Um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. It just builds a shit ton of hype around it. Yeah. And I think they have the confidence in it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. If they don't have the confidence in it, they sure won't. Right. But I think they have a ton of confidence in Mandalorian, okay. which is great. Yeah. Um, a little bit of an interesting reader update. I have been struggling extremely hard to get through Master and Apprentice. Okay. And it is, a hot, bad. it is a hot take that it has not been that great. Claudia Gray is the best Star Wars writer with Timothy Zahn. And I was so excited for this one. And to be honest, it's really disappointing. Kind me. of a slog. Yeah, the story's not that great. Other people feel this way? No. Oh. Uh, but it's the lore. The lore is exceptional. Yeah. As I'm reading it, I would rather read a really, really, really good summary of it. Okay. Which is really disappointing. That's too bad. Uh, and I threw on just to see if it was anything to do with my, I don't know, whether there was waning fatigue of Star Wars novels. No, I powered through the first three hours of the audiobook uh, Thrawn Treason in three hours. Yeah. I didn't stop. That's cool. And like, it's awesome. And I, but it, it showed that, no, no, no. It's just a really... Master Apprentice is just unfortunately slow as hell. Okay. Um, so I will not recommend that to be the one you start with. If you do start, definitely uh, some of the other Claudia Gray ones would be, though. Right. Um, when it comes to kind of the rumor verse, uh, this is kind of interesting. So the big rumor that I thought was definitely going to be true um, isn't because it was a merchandise leak uh, or merchandise myth-busting, you could call it. Uh, and it is specifically that... Um, the First Order Battalion of Sith Troopers is only the finest in the galaxy under the strict command of Kylo and the Knights of Ren. Okay. So, it, they, I still think they're clones. They still could have been on a factory that was created by Palpatine 
everything that was said before could still totally be true, but just Kylo Ren does not know that Palpatine's been doing it all for him. Right, of course. And so he's walking into a trap. Yes. Okay. And so that's that's my view on it. I still think it's all everything that is, is believed is probably the same. I did hear a cool rumor though. It's some that uh, I don't know where it came from, uh, but I heard it somewhere. And it's that kind of the red fog that you see just burning up the forests in the in the trailer mm-hmm. that could be Endor, and that oh. the new weapon might not be as planet exploding. It might be. Like it might engulf the planet, like in kind of like a slow fogged flame, and right. just b- kills all the life form on it. I see. So it, maybe it's something along those lines. Chemical warfare. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so that's kind of maybe what Kylo is walking through. Is he could be walking through the burnt forest trees of Endor on his way to the crashed Death Star. Makes you wonder if his mask can filter out toxins or only smoke. That's interesting, but he's also not wearing his mask in that shot. Oh, okay. Uh, and also, we have no idea who he's attacking because in that shot. It could be a Knight of Ren that he's attacking. It right. looks more like that than anything else that we've seen. So There'll probably be some infighting in the Knights of Ren. There has uh, to be a good story there. It makes no sense if there's not infighting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I've always thought that there's the connection to Matt Smith there. Right. Uh, and there's got to be a connection to the Emperor because where were they? And it just makes sense that the work that they've been doing either found the Sith Troopers, not knowing what the fuck the true origin of them is, or... They were doing something sketchy in the area of the Sith and they needed the Sith troopers as backup, or they were doing something sketchy and they accidentally like opened Pandora's box. Right. So something along those lines, although I do believe that the Pandora's box opening is Snoke's death. Probably. I think that's very That would make perfect sense. Because Snoke has to be Palpatine. I agree. Uh I don't think he's Plagueis in any way, shape, or form. There is a good rumor going around is that uh even Palpatine isn't Palpatine. Uh it's the Sith Emperor. Okay. So the Sith Emperor. King Sith, just like. And they never associated this with Plagueis, but I take it a step further and I associate it with Plagueis. Right. Plagueis wasn't Plagueis either. He was the Sith Emperor. And when Palpatine killed Plagueis, he became the Sith it Emperor. It all just goes back to the original most evil Sith. Exactly. Oh, and they've been good. And they've been just, uh, or potentially like treating it like Plagueis. And that was the hint that it's a disease. Yep. And that it's spreading in that way. Um, and that Kylo's the one who finds that and Kylo ends up killing himself for that regard. But that's a it's a cool theory i don't think it's necessarily going to be the case but i do believe that there could be something whereas um darth sidious consumed plagueis's power by killing him and has definitely transitioned that to snoke in way some way shape or form well and with the exception of maybe count dooku uh the emperor specifically and sith in general always appear to be in search of a younger better body yeah to be their padawan right Mm -hmm. like so that kind of with the exception of count dooku although he is happy to have count dooku beheaded right in front of him so yeah because he's the face the face of the other side of a war that's right yeah it's perfect for him uh yeah and that's the thing a lot of people do believe there's going to be some form of possession i'm very much one of them that how else do you bring palpatine back into it and how else do you kill him um, the Rise of Skywalker could be referring to the need to bring someone back from the dead and then sending them back to the fucking dead. Um, in the sense of like force ghosts need to be the one to like, you need to kill Palpatine physically and then immediately kill his fucking force ghost. Yeah. Maybe he's the only one who's been able to figure that out. He, maybe he's the Sith who's been able to get past that level. Maybe he's haunting the Death Star or maybe he's haunting what was Snoke or whatever it is. But you could also go on the line of maybe he's just Maybe he's figured out the Force Ghost thing. Right. I don't think that's going to be it. Uh, I think there's a chance that it could be like a temporary Force Ghost, whereas 
that giant smoke shoot up that we saw in Return of the Jedi. Um, like the giant like kind of aura thing that shoots up through the sky uh, out of the tube that Emperor's thrown into. Yeah. Um, that could be whatever Sith aura he has escaping and clinging to something. Could be. That extinguishes every time his physical body died. And maybe that went into Kylo when he killed the Emperor. Who knows? I don't know. But specifically, there's... There's a lot of things that could be around that. Are we done? Do we have anything else? Uh, I don't think so. This is a very long podcast. It is a very long podcast. Sorry about that. Um, no, that's it. Okay. I want to wish a couple of happy birthdays. Happy birthday this Friday, the 23rd, to Ray Park. The very next day, happy birthday, awesome. Saturday, the 24th, to Kenny Baker. So a couple of major essential players in there. Absolutely. I also don't want Darth Maul to be in the Obi-Wan show. A lot of people do. No, we've been there, done that. Exactly. We know that story. Exactly. Uh, okay. So for Gotta Cast 1... Uh, Again, character actors in their highest, most powerful form. Sure. Two uh, really, really talented performers. One of them starring this weekend in the new movie uh, based on the book of the same name, Where Did You Go, Bernadette? The other one, just a character actor we like to see in as many things as often as possible, but isn't specifically pertinent right now. Sure. Uh, Got to cast one in Star Wars. Is it Kate Blanchett or Allison Janney? Uh. That's a great question. Uh, either would be fine, to yeah, be honest. I know. Uh, yeah, uh, I would pick Kate Blanchett just because she's another level uh, and could be anything under the sun. Whereas Allison Janney, I would see, I think you kind of have to make her a good guy. Oh, I, I don't would, know. Did you see I, Tanya? No, I didn't, actually. Jesus. But just on who she is, I think you kind of have to make her a classy diplomat. I think yeah. you have to make her... Uh, like a, a general uh, you make her a human and you make her a good guy and you don't give her force I don't know if there's ever been a great female Sith Lord but Kate Blanchett could yes. do wonders with that 100% yeah uh, Kate Blanchett could literally play anything uh, I do think though that that's exactly what I was going to say I think you you make her a Sith Lord she was the she played the villain in Thor Ragnarok right or Dark World one of the two yeah maybe um, although, so you, although is that Tilda Swinton no, I don't no, think that's, it is. That's Doctor Strange. I get them kind of confused. Yeah, that's bit. fair. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, th I think Kate Blanchett is exactly what the design for Satine, Obi-Wan's love interest, looks like. Interesting. Um, it's it's There's inspiration taken for sure. Oh, okay. Because uh, it looks just like her. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I'd have to go with, uh, go back to the Old Republic and make her a Sith in that time frame. Uh, make her somebody who's not necessarily a lightsaber wielder, but somebody who's of extreme power, uh, does a lot of mind fuckery. Uh, you could have it as a character who does some betrayal. At, you think they're a good guy throughout the whole movie, and then turns out they're not what the eye sees at the start. So right. She's the kind of person who could play a very, very prominent role. Uh, I'm not sure if she'd be interested in it, but I think if you're going to make her a prominent character, you got to make her a bad guy. Um, or somebody similar to what I just described for Alice and Janney uh, on the good side of things. But I wouldn't necessarily... Well, you could have her on the Jedi High Council in the Old Republic era. It works too. Yeah. It really works. You're right. She could board. play anything. I, I really think Alice and Janney could too, but maybe just her face and energy is not specific to Star Wars as as timelessly as Cate Blanchett's is. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. I mean, 
there's something about Kate Blanchett that you can literally put her in any era, universe, or anything, and it just works. Right, she's phenomenal. Yeah, and so I, I, I pick her just because, well, are you going to ever say no to having Kate Blanchett in the series? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Let us know who you would cast in Star Wars. Gotta cast one. Is it Kate Blanchett or Allison Janney? Let us know your thoughts on the second 20 of Star Wars The Force Awakens or anything else you might have thought about this week's podcast or another by tweeting at Recorder66 or emailing Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you. Thank you.